guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. All right. So we have back with us yet again um, the irreplaceable and amazing Mike Foley. Mike, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this episode with you guys. Yeah. So today, Mike is going to talk to us about some student loan updates. I'm sure that you guys have heard some of the updates coming from the news. And as you all remember, we do have to do um, a little bit of closure here. So just to kind of get that out of the way, Michael is a comprehensive financial advisor who runs his practice out of Scottsdale, Arizona under North Star Resource Group. Michael was trained at Duke University and holds his certified financial planner designation alongside his certified student loan professional designation. And although Michael serves a diverse group of clients with their financial and student loan needs with two physician parents, Michael has found a specialty in working with those in the healthcare space. Michael's a registered representative and investment advisor, representative of Securian Financial Services, securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services, Inc., who is a member of FINRA and SIPC. North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated out of 6720 North Scottsdale Road, Suite 290 at Scottsdale, Arizona, 85253. So, Michael, you have entitled this episode Student Loan Updates, The Saga Continues. Um, so what are we going to learn about today with this saga continuing? Yeah, sure. No, we definitely got, uh, got, got more more saga to, to continue here. So we uh, wanted to talk today about, obviously, what are the updates? Um, there's two major updates um, that we want to talk about. Um, and then also want to talk about what opportunities, you know, come along with those for that forbearance extension and how we can we really take advantage of that. Also want to talk about the PSLF program. That's the one with a little bit more critical deadlines. And so I want to make sure we know what needs to get done on that. Um, and and then I uh, wanted to spend some time talking about some of the proposals that were announced and what might be uh, interesting to keep an eye on there. So let's start off with the big major updates, Michael. Um, you know, what did President Biden announce and what does that mean for us? Yeah, sure. So it's it, it was hard to almost decipher what was actually announced because there were so many things that were brought to the table. But there were really only two major announcements that are actually law now. Um, the first is uh, a widespread $10,000 forgiveness for anybody making under $125,000 or $250,000 as a married couple. Um, for those that are Pell Grant recipients, uh, that gets extended up to $20,000 of forgiveness. And so um, we're excited to see that. Unfortunately, it is a drop in the bucket for most of our clients here, um, but it is uh, it is great. We'll, we won't take you know uh, you know turn that away. Um, but that so that is one of the primary updates. Um, the other update is that the forbearance period has been extended through the end of the year. So really, those are the two only uh, the big things, and it's uh, it's almost ironic because a lot of people are um, really up in arms and you know um, attacking this widespread forgiveness. But um, it's funny that I think most of most of our clients in the medical space are actually seeing more than ten thousand dollars forgiveness just by the extending of not accruing interest on their loans and not having to pay on their loans for the next four months here uh, with the forbearance extension. So um, all around is a win for federal student loan borrowers. We're we're excited about that um and so but some things that we wanted that we're still kind of up in the air on um especially with regards to the the 10 or twenty thousand dollars of forgiveness is how are they going to determine your income so one of the things that uh is is up in the air is hey do we need to fill out an application 
or are we going to just get an automatic forgiveness? And um, we're still unclear exactly how that's going to play out. But we do know that in the, you know, the Department of Education's announcement on this, they said that uh, for those that we don't already have your income information for, uh, we will be providing an application to be completed in October. So how, how I'm reading that is that it will be automatic forgiveness for everybody who's already likely on an income-driven repayment plan and already has their income in there. And so if that is the case, you know, a lot of our clients who might have not have even you know, reported their income uh, since throughout COVID might still have their 2019 tax return, you know, income uh, in in the system. Um, so even if you are currently o- over those income thresholds, I, I wouldn't write it off all, you know, entirely yet, because there might be still opportunity for forgiveness on that. And the other thing that we're a little uncertain of is uh, when it comes to the Pell Grant recipients, usually the, the outstanding balance on those are, are typically pretty small for, for some of our for some of our clients. And so we're unsure if it's just gonna give you the additional above 10,000 to just pay off that, you know, that grant, or if it's actually just going to be, you know, an additional 10,000 for a total of $20,000 on any of your federal student loans, which is what it's sounding like it's going to be, but we're still a little gray on how that's going to play out. But the other couple of big questions that uh, that we are getting is number one: is this going to be taxed? And um, that's something that we definitely want you to consult with your with your accountant or with your CPA on. Um, but just from a federal standpoint, they they cannot tax this on a federal standpoint because of the American Rescue Act. Um, as a part of the American Rescue Act that came out a few years ago, um, said that they they are not allowed. The federal government is not allowed to tax federally any discharge of any federal student loans all the way through the end of 2025. And then the rule can be revised at that point. So there's no, there's not going to be any federal taxes due on any of this forgiveness. However, there may be some state tax that, that could be due. Um, there's 14 states that are still debating if they're going to be offer, if this is going to be included in, uh, income tax for their state. Um, so I would definitely, you know, uh, take a look at, you know, if your state falls into one of those and consult your accountant to see if that's something we need to plan for. Um, so you don't get blindsided. Uh, if we do get that forgiveness on that. The other big thing that we are seeing is, uh, as you've probably seen in the news as well, is um, that this would be challenged legally. And, you know, is Biden actually able to do this legally and forgive so much debt? Um, you know, this is something that it's absolutely being challenged. And uh, but we're we're likely, you know, in order for this to actually be revoked, it would have to work up the chain of command and the law law system all the way up to the Supreme Court, which takes some time. So, you know, if they do forgive uh, all the loans, are they going to backtrack that and request the money back? I think that would be pretty highly unlikely for that to happen. Um, but, you know, who knows? But that's uh, more unlikely than anything. And uh, the other thing that, you know, we were reading about is that, you know, just from a, if you are going to be suing, you know, suing for this, there there typically needs to be some sort of harm that you have to show in order to do that. And it's um, in this world, it's a, little, it's a little bit harder to show immediate harm. Um, so we're, we're not likely, and again, I'm not, not the attorney speaking on this, right? But just from a student loan perspective, we're, we're not really too concerned about uh, about that. Um, so not something that we necessarily uh, need to be uh, planning for, but definitely keeping an eye on there. Super good information. Appreciate you contextualizing news uh, for us. 
I'm curious about sort of some opportunities, those though that you might you might be seeing um, with respect to particularly the forbearance forbearance. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know some of the the biggest uh, opportunities that we're seeing are um, with regards to the income reporting, and so some of the things that were uh, that were also extended in this uh, were it was the recertification date because typically borrowers that are on an income driven repayment plan are required to report their income every 12 months no less no less frequently than every 12 months but during covid that's kind of gone out the window and so everybody's been reassigned a recertification date um the funniest thing about this is that the the recertification date the only place that you can find this recertification date is on your department of education record that we have to put into our system to actually you know organize it and identify where your recertification makes a ton of sense that the borrowers can't see this on their own right but uh but that's something that is really important to know because that's when you need to show you know when do you need to show them your income again but what we're seeing is that if if your recertification date has fallen between now and march of 2023 they're pushing that out by an additional 12 months and so that was actually announced earlier this year and so we're we're curious to see if they're actually going to push it out even further um because we might see you know some of our clients are, aren't having to report their income until 2024 and if they are basing their you know their last tax return, you know, the last time they reported their income was off of 2019 taxes, you know, for people that are now attendings and stuff, they're still reporting based off of resident income, which is huge, especially for folks going for these long-term, you know, these uh, forgiveness programs at the public service, or even some of the long-term forgivenesses. And so really just uh, keeping an eye on when is your recertification date and when is the best time to report our income? Because you have the option. You can report based off of pay stubs, which I'll say rarely makes the most sense. A lot of people are uh, sometimes really excited when they get their new attending income to go and report their high income, right? Well, let's let's go report that to your friends and family, but don't report that to the, the Department of Education just yet, because that'll just raise your rate. But we can, if we report based off our last year's tax return, um, you know, there it's now presenting an opportunity that we can technically be reporting based off of our income from two calendar years ago. Um, so that's that's not something that we've seen in the past of being able to really capitalize on. But you don't have to recertify, you know, technically, you know, before you file your taxes in March or April of next year, your most recently completed tax return might be for the 2021 tax year. So therefore, you'll be making payments for the next 12 months based off of your income from two years prior, which is a, a huge opportunity. And, and then for those people that don't have to recertify until 2024, that that can that stretch gets even farther. So especially if we're going for like these public service loan forgiveness programs, the whole the whole strategy is trying to make as many payments based off of the lowest income possible to see sees the most forgiveness as possible. So that's what we're, we're really seeing as a huge opportunity. And then the other thing that we are seeing is even if you are not going for the PSLF program, but maybe you're just trying to pay your loans down aggressively. Um, 
Uh, one of the repayment plan options that's called revised pay as you earn. Some of you guys might not be familiar with the interest subsidies that go along with that. How it works is, let's say you know you pay, you still pay based off of ten percent of your discretionary income on that. But let's say you're accruing based off of you know three hundred thousand dollars of of loans outstanding. Let's say you're accruing twenty five hundred dollars per month in interest you know, every single month just because of the balance of the loans. But if you're paying based off of your income, and maybe maybe your income only generates a, a payment of you know five hundred dollars per month, well, that additional two thousand dollars goes is is considered unpaid interest. And so, if you're in the revised pay as you earn, they cut your unpaid interest in half. So, if you're on the revised pay as you earn, you're, you could you'd be saving about a thousand bucks a month just by being enrolled in that program. And so therefore it's effectively lower in your interest rate. So, and the nice thing about it is that they do that square up with you every single month. So if we, you know, are trying to pay our loans aggressively, it might behoove us to keep our payment a little bit, you know, keep our, you know, payment reporting as efficient as possible, keep our payment down to take advantage of as much of the interest subsidies that we can and maybe make bulk payments. So as if we make a big payment in one month, well, we're not getting any interest subsidies because we don't have any unpaid interest in that one month, but we might be able to, you know, if we make a one big payment a year or maybe two big payments a year, we're getting interest subsidies on all of those other months. So just another, you know, opportunity that's presented itself with these, uh, with these extensions of that. And then obviously, you know, don't, don't forget that now a lot of our clients are getting married and, you know, and, and going through different life transitions now that they weren't in before when they were having to report that. And so we'll have to really, you know, take advantage of the fact that, you know, maybe your income was originally reported based off of just your income and not having to report that you're married. Um, and but we need to make sure that we're, you know, looking at our taxes, you know, and how we're gonna, you know, be filing and what we need, what plan we need to be on now with our spouse. Um, and maybe if we need to look at filing our taxes separately and consulting your tax professional on that. Um, and seeing how that can impact things from a, from a student loan standpoint is going to be really important right now too, because a lot of the times uh, people aren't thinking about those transitions as they come up. Awesome, thank you for that, Michael. I think one you know question that people may have is just you know what do I need to do about this like PSLF waiver? You know what are the steps that I need to take to make sure that I'm able to take advantage of all of the things that you're talking about. Sure. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing that we talked about, you know, a little bit earlier is that this PSLF waiver. And for, for those of you guys who aren't, aren't aware of what the waiver is, um, this was announced last October. I think we talked about it on a previous podcast a little bit. Um, but you know, really it, it, they, they really relaxed a lot of the rules around the PSLF program. And so really, if you have any, you know, if you have federal loans and you've worked at or are working at a qualified institution, so like a nonprofit, a government institution, military, anything like that, um, we need to we need to revisit this, yeah, because there's likely eligibility that you might not have had in the past, and so you're they're looking back, regardless of the type of federal loan that you had or the repayment plan that you're on, as long as you're working full time for a qualified institution, now you're able to get retroactive credit. Uh, regardless of, you know, because typically you have to be on an income driven repayment, you have to have direct loans, you, you, they can't have done consolidations, all these different rules that they have. 
but they kind of threw all those rules out the, out the window and are allowing everybody to get retroactive credit as long as they get that in before October 31st. So the big things that is really three steps that we're, we're guiding everybody through right now. And number one is we got to make sure that all of our loans qualify for the PSLF program, because although they're very lax with what retroactively would count, after October 31st, it goes back to the normal rules. So we got to make sure that all of your loans are going to be eligible for the for the forgiveness. Um, then we need to get what's called an employer certification form. And so if you think about it, the loan servicers know what payments are going to be eligible just based off of when you made payments, what types of loans you had, but they don't know where you're working until they have this employer certification form. And so if we can get you know, that employer certification form submitted to them, now they can match those eligible months with those qualified employer months and give you a qualified matched month for the PSLF program. So we need to get that employer certification form signed off on and completed for each of your employers that you have worked for that have been a qualified nonprofit. And we need to get that submitted over to Mohella. The last step in the process is we got to call your current loan servicer. If you're not already with FedLoan or Mohella right now, um, you know you need to call your current loan servicer after you submit that form to, to Mohella and say, hey, I need to get enrolled in the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. Please push my loans over to Mohella to be my new loan servicer because Mohella is going to be the only loan servicer that facilitates the PSLF program moving forward. And so we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of change right now because uh, FedLoan was originally the one that managed this whole public service loan forgiveness program, but but they're quitting. So that's that's always exciting. And um, and but now they're moving everybody over to Mohella and they're going to be the new guys here. And so. Uh, we've heard heard good things so far. Uh, haven't seen you know too many issues, and they have VR with Fed loans. We have seen them actually move the forms over to Mohella's site proactively. I wouldn't um, count on that happening, but it has been nice to see that they have been doing their job. So we're we're, we're excited about that. For those those people that you know are unsure if you're going to qualify, and I think this is really the time that if you've ever even worked at a nonprofit. This is the time to look at it because this opportunity is probably not going to come again. And so if we can get retroactive credit, even if you're making substantially higher income and you know never thought that you would even qualify for the PSLF program, or maybe you don't even have that large, larger balance, um, we're really seeing a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of different strategies that we can take to minimize your payment to seek the most forgiveness. So we really want to capitalize on that um, at, at, you know, kind of during this time. So let's not drag our feet on this one because this is a really important one that can save, you know potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in certain situations. And um, and then one one last thing to note on that too, is that um, along with this forbearance extension, is we've also got an extension of our uh, request for reimbursement. So if all of a sudden you, you're, you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh man, I might actually qualify for forgiveness, you know, who knows? Um, I wish I didn't just pay all this money into my loans throughout COVID because we have run into that quite a bit. And uh, this, you now have this kind of one-time opportunity that any amount of money that you've paid towards your loans from March of 2020 until present, you can actually request it to be reimbursed to you. And so if we get that reimbursement, worst case scenario here 
is that you decide we go through this process we identify that you're not going to be eligible for forgiveness and you just put it right back towards your loans <laughs> that's the worst worst possible thing so if we have put a lot towards our loans and we're thinking we might qualify for some might might behoove you to reach out to your loan servicer to uh, request a reimbursement for what you've put into it just to make sure we're not leaving any money on the table for you guys no, that's super helpful and I and I think just as a ring the bell type of moment there for folks um you know that that refunds of payments that you made during the the pandemic emergency thing is really 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 important and that's something to try and take advantage of right now. Um I understand Mike too that too that there were a couple of other results that were announced alongside these these student loan changes. Um, with respect to like repayment plans and like looking at discretionary income. Can you tell us more about those things? Yeah, sure. And uh, it was uh, like I mentioned earlier, it was just a little bit hard to decipher what was actually like changed and what is proposed. And so um, there's there's really three noteworthy proposals that were that were put on the table. And again, these are still proposals means that it still has to go through Congress and get approved. So it's not law yet, but um, it's likely to um, if it's been proposed and it's you know likely you know lined up. Uh, if it also wouldn't have been put out, but. We're we're still we still got a ways before this becomes um, you know an effective strategy that we can take. But um, one of the ones that a lot of people saw was the five percent discretionary income um, as an income driven repayment plan option, and I got really excited when I saw that too. But really, it's only for undergraduate loans, and so fortunately, most of our clients are you know taking up med school loans typically, and you know maybe have a smaller percentage of undergrad loans. Um, but how they're likely going to do it is if you have some undergrad loans and some grad school loans it's not like if you just have like a thousand dollars left for undergrad that you're going to be able to get five percent of a payment um, it would be proportionate so if you have you know 50 percent of your loans are undergrad 50 percent of them are graduate school loans um, well, the graduate school would be have to be at the 10% of discretionary income payment, just like normal. Um, the undergrads could be at 5%. So altogether, your loans would be paid at a 7.5% um, rate. So we do like like the like the sounds of that, but again, not going to be earth shattering for for a lot of our, uh, our our folks. The other one one to note is the discretionary income change. Um, so right now, how they calculate your payments when you're paying on an income driven repayment plan. Is they take the poverty line and then they multiply it by 150%. So let's say the poverty line is, you know, $20,000 for your household size, you know, 150% of that would be $30,000 of income. And then anything you make over 30,000, that's considered discretionary income. And that's what they take the 10% on to drive your payment from. Um, what they're proposing is to make that instead of 150% of the poverty line, they're trying to make that 225%. So that would just raise the amount of the threshold before you know it kicks in for discretionary income. So again, we like the like the sounds of it. It might save our clients maybe a 150, 200 bucks a month, depending on you know household size they have. Um, so again, not earth shattering, but hey, we you know those are the, were steps in the right direction, uh, which we're excited about. But the one that I am really interested about is this last one called um, that they're 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 considering having no accrual of unpaid interest. So this is this is a really fascinating one because um 
this is really one of the biggest killers for for a lot of our clients when we're going for some of these forgiveness plans or just in residency and just accruing all this this interest we're paying you know three hundred dollars you know during residency but we're accruing twenty five hundred dollars you know there's a substantial amount of unpaid interest that gets stacked on top of the loans while you're paying a low amount um and what they're you know suggesting because like the revised pay as you earn is is kind of a halfway step there they're they're forgiving half of your unpaid interest but now they're proposing actually getting rid of unpaid interest all entirely. So um, that could present a whole plethora of other options, uh, strategies um, that we can take for just repaying the loans, um, or you know, when we're going for some of these you know longer-term forgiveness plans, they're they're likely going to look more favorable now um, if we don't have all that uh, additional interest accrual too. So that's definitely one to keep keep an eye on. So um, just to kind of summarize this for our listeners, Michael, what are the major takeaways that we would have for them? Yeah. So, I mean, I think really the the big three things that I want folks to be aware of is, you know, if you have federal student loans right now, we really need to be reassessing your game plan. Um, just bottom line, there's so many new strategies and so many changes that have happened over the last two weeks, let alone the last couple of years. And so if you're one of those that have just kind of swept their loans under the rug for a bit, let's open that door and let's take a look at it because there are so many new opportunities. And gosh, if we can save you save you money on these loans that are always uh, already a pain, um, let's do that. And um, so that's that's big takeaway number one. Number two is we got to get our ducks in a row for the PSLF program right now. Even if there's a glimmer of a possibility that you might go for it, and now's the time to make sure that we're getting enrolled and um, and taking care of what needs to get taken care of on that. And then the last thing is just you know seek professional help with this. You know there there unfortunately you guys are being bombarded with articles and blogs that are either politically motivated or you know, financially motivated, you know, trying to get your consolidate or refinance your loans and things. And so seek counsel from advisors that are trained in the federal student loan system. Um, Let them help you kind of work these strategies because it's really hard for the borrowers to identify all of these different things when they can't even see all the data points on their own. And so let, you know, make sure that you're working with someone to help guide you through this um, because this is not a very straightforward and simple system. Um, The government keeps coming out with these new announcements that are all positive, but they're also making it more and more complex. So we just got to be cognizant to make sure that we can be as efficient as possible with one of the biggest conversations in most of our clients' uh, financial situation. Absolutely. And on, and on that note, of course, listeners will have Michael's act information as well as additional articles and information site that have been vetted by him as a certified student loan professional. Michael, I think that really does it. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and sharing uh, these really breaking news updates. You bet. No, always. I'm, I'm excited to finally have some updates for you guys. <laughs> um, so thanks again, uh, Michael, for coming on our show. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Kriogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever Google Play, whatever you're going give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media on Twitter at CreogsOverCoff1, on Facebook and Instagram at CreogsOverCoffee. And if you want to support the show, go ahead and go into our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee and give us a donation. On our website, CreogsOverCoffee.com, you'll have notes for this episode, Michael's contact information if you need to get in touch with him, and notes for all of our previous episodes. 
And if you have questions for us, questions for Michael, or have a suggestion for other topics for this particular series or any of our other episodes, go ahead and email us, kriogsrivercoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>